This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at Hive, which is based on a true story of a woman's personal difficulties after the Kosovo War in 1999. Facing Monsters, which is a magnificent documentary that takes us to dangerous surfing in Western Australia and the latest dark and dynamic version of The Batman. Hive is an intense personal drama set in Kosovo in 1999, just after the war for independence, and follows a young woman trying to establish an independent life for herself and her children, following the disappearance of her husband during the conflict. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this true story of female solidarity. Carolyn, what do you think of Hive? I really liked it. As a, a human rights film, it had a really good balance of um, talk, discussing what was happening, and the, but also the storytelling as well and the reasons before behind it and everything else. And just, yeah, no, I really liked it. it mm. was, um, I mean, it's a very serious film. You hardly see a smile in that film. Well, they don't have much to smile. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, that's the point. <laughs> but, but they don't give up. That's one of the things that I think I take away from this film is that it's about hope and continuing on after tragedy and yeah. rebuilding and, mm. and fighting against stuff that isn't right. Just yeah. not right. <laughs> like something as simple as having a drive, being allowed to drive. That's that should be a right for regardless yeah. of gender. And, and, and it's uh, those men. It's the, the parochial society that they're living in there, and mm. uh, just the women have just got no. Yeah, they've all right gone through the own. same tragedy. I mean, the woman yes, lost the their men. husbands yeah. Yeah. and sons and yeah. fathers and brothers and yeah. and uncles. Because, mm. I mean, it's, it's a curious thing. After the husband doesn't come back, the woman's got to start making money to keep a family. Mm. Uh, so she just thinks starting up her own business some one way or another might be it. She even gets goes out and gets a driver's licence. It is. And, 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 and then not... gets a car. And that is so unusual. For a woman to do there. In this particular area, yes. And and one of the other things mm. that this film doesn't mention is that her entire village was destroyed yes. in the conflict. Yes. And so they had to set up a new life somewhere else and yeah. do it from scratch with nothing. And she does that. And there's some really good interviews that she's given. Um, the woman, Fahri Hot. I think is her name, if I'm saying that right, um, that she's given on the internet about this film and why she did it. And also the the director, it's a first-time film for Blurter Bacholi, 
and mm. she's Kosovan as well, and so she was a child uh, during, at that time during the yeah. massacre. And yeah, and then she, I mean, she wrote and directed this film after coming across mm. this woman, Faria. Yes, mm. yeah, and the actress mm. who plays her, um, the emotion on her face is just amazing. She she's able to convey. All the pain and the anger and exactly. yeah, and everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that all. Yeah, this is it. And um, and 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 of course, the point is, um, uh, like I said, you've got the uh, sol- female solidarity in the film. She yeah, get, which gathers is... these other women around her, and they start up a business together. They uh, cooking uh, food, supplying foods. Of yeah, a kind. A traditional food. It's a, a type of. Um, Pepper. Yeah, yeah, Adva. Yeah, Adva. Yeah, it's a sort of a red pepper sauce, a sweet, sweet and tangy, and it's got other stuff in it like garlic and eggplant and all this. And sort I have of to thing. mention, not all the men in this movie are sexist. Like the father, he is progressing. The father-in-law, he is <laughs> yeah. trying. It's not entirely um, a male bashing film <laughs> at all. It's just a film about just. Rebuilding your life. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, it shows us the way conditions were at that time. Mm. I mean, when she comes back with that, she's in that car, and the men there falsely accuse her of driving off. They live in a smaller village, mm. driving off to a nearby city where she's got a job, and they uh, they allege that she's a prostitute and yeah, making the money no, over there. Uh, There's those um, sort of rotten things, and this is a total lie which they hold against her. They throw stones and break a window in the car. It's really interesting. In one of the interviews that she gives, she talks about, um, because the film is called Hives and bees do appear in the film. She she has a whole range of hives. And she talks about, um, she says that bees cannot handle pain and anger, so they lash out, which is why she gets stung. <laughs> and it's almost as yeah. if that's a metaphor for the for the men in the village. They're full, so full of pain and anger that they can't do anything else other than lash out. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, they are totally frustrated So, that yeah, the film has a lot mm. of symbolism in it. It's a good story, and I just really liked it. Yeah, and it's curious that this comes out now uh, where the sort of similar conditions, war conditions, are taking place in the Ukraine. Oh, let's hope not. The, yeah, let's the, the hope parallels not the massacre that went on, yeah. You know, because, I mean, in this particular war, there's, there's still, you know, that husband disappeared and she never learnt what happened to him. No. Of course, you can assume he's He's one of dead, 64 that was never found. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, there's... um. There, there are still uh, 1,600 people still mm. missing <laughs> there. And, um, and, and in that, in that uh, I mean, there's a lot of people m- m- being pushed out of um, or take getting out of Ukraine now. But in the Kosovo, 90% of the population was displaced. Yes. Uh, it doesn't mean they left the country, but they, they were displaced from their yeah. homes. So, you know, you get all these similarities and you can, and you can feel... For the people, just yeah, as so much as you do in watching the news on TV. It's important that these films are made, and it's important that these stories are told, and it's important that people go along and see these mm. and hear, bear witness to these stories. So hopefully, we don't do the same thing again. Well, let's hope we don't <laughs> see this again. Let's get over the, the other one first. Yeah. But yeah, no, it is amazing, and um, and the, the title "Hive" applies to. Um, 
with a bee. She sells some honey also from yes, that. Yeah. But that beehive, beehive thing in the backyard there uh, was set up by her husband actually, and uh, and she she's still got that going too. Although you don't actually see much of the hive of the bees. No, no, but they they are there. There is some symbolism in there, and they're being yeah. in there in some of the oh, actions yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Hive. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. The ocean is where I go to find peace and a place where I belong. It's where I feel most alive. thing that keeps me going is the thought of what is out there. With me now on the phone is Charlie Wise, himself a competitive surfer from Sumner, who has been off to the Hollywood cinema to see Facing Monsters, which turned out to be an intense documentary that digs deep into the psyche of Kirby Brown, a West Australian surfer whose connection with the ocean runs as deep as his love for his family. Charlie, the waves that this surfer tackles are absolutely immense. Do you think you could ever take on such huge waves yourself? Oh, I don't think so, Hans. Um, Those waves are absolutely massive. I think they're kind of around the 40 to 50 foot margin and what I'm used to surfing back in Sumner and around Christchurch area, they're more kind of around the, the four to six foot range at, <laughs> at tops. So You're saying they're about ten times as big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely would be a lot out of my comfort zone. It would be a lot to work up to, but I'm sure with enough practice that I'd be able to get amongst it, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what this fellow does. I mean, he, he's, he's completely... Um, uh, you know, fascinated by what he's doing there. You know, he just keeps on going back to do more and more, taking his younger brother with him <laughs> to help him along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that the younger brother of Kirby, I've actually forgotten his name, but what an absolutely fantastic guy. Um, uh, he does the Toans for him on the jet ski. Yeah. Um, really, really important. If you don't have trust in the person that you're actually being towed in by then, you know, it's not going to work out for either of you. Yeah. I mean, the point with these, well, this is set uh, in uh, the southern area of West, Austra- West Australia uh, where um, it, it, the, these waves are, and the point is these gigantic waves are caused by them coming in over um, stones and rocks in the water and things like that, which lifts up the size of the waves. And then they come in and they crash, usually onto more um, uh, rocky areas or onto the cliff face and all this sort of thing. So it's a very dangerous thing for any person, any surfer, to get involved in this. And this, and you see him do, in the film, you see him do, God, at least, what, 20 or 30 times. <laughs> Amazing. Mm, yes. Um, on the note of those kind of rocks and what's called a slab in surfing, um, that's when there's a really deep channel coming all the way from out of sea and it speeds up really, really quickly as the swell hits it. Oh, yeah. It goes from like 
negative 1,000 foot all the way up to sea level and like probably about the span of 20 metres, that's why you get such large waves in those sort of areas. Yeah. Oh, the film always also has got its sort of um, personal uh, uh, side, which looks at this man, you know, about what's driving this man and what about his family. He's got a wife, he's got a couple of kids, he's got a father, all of whom care for him, of course, but, and they realise the, the dangers that he gets himself into. And the film looks at all of this quite, um, quite a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is all fair enough. But to me, the film was actually what... F- f- I could see that film again, but it was... What fascinated me was the excellent photography in, uh, in that film of the surfing. How did... What do you think of that? Oh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, as somebody that absolutely just loves being either in front of or behind a camera lens, it's really awesome film photography and you know the drone shots that they get are absolutely incredible yeah yeah i just don't know how i mean they must have usually had uh, oh, more than two people out there sometime possibly using drones for all i know to get some of the photography you know and over and over you get these gigantic waves starting to curl over and this fellow underneath them just um, going along the full length underneath the um, wave as it's um, tumbling over. It, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 I just couldn't take my eyes off that. And it, uh, besides the dangerous element of it, uh, it was the, the beauty of these, the amazing beauty of these scenes that got me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of one of those feelings that surfers chase is that feeling of being barreled or being inside the wave. And... Yeah, it's just one of those magical things that somebody that doesn't surf can't really explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I know, it's, uh, it's just a, a stunning film to watch. Um, so um, is there, are there any other places? I mean, most of this was filmed in the southern area of Western Australia. Are there other places in the world that have got these high waves and people doing this sort of surfing? Yeah, yes. Uh, There's one place that definitely springs to mind pretty quickly, a place in Portugal called Nazaré. That's currently where the world record biggest wave ever surfed is kind of held crown. Um, And you see people just doing absolutely insane things on waves upwards of 100 foot. (laughs) It's absolutely incredible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, I, I think I, I could, as I said before, I could uh, easily go and see this film again. And, um, well, and you take care of yourself if you ever think of taking it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen for a wee while, eh? <laughs> OK, well, thank you for your help. Thanks, Charlie. Awesome. Good. Thank you very much. Charlie Wise helping me with Facing Monsters. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz. If 
In this three-hour film version of The Batman, the caped crusader investigates Gotham City's hidden corruption and even questions his own family's involvement. Mary Gibson's been off to the Silky Otter Cinemas at Wigram to see this dark but consistently gripping movie. Mary, what do you think of the latest version of The Batman? Well, I'm a Batman fan from way back. <laughs> Having a 30-year-old son, I think I've been to Batman ever since probably uh, George Clooney was Batman back in 1997. This version, to me, is really, really excellent. Yes, it is long at three hours, but you never felt like you were... No. You know, what's next? What What am I waiting for? You were constantly gripped by the next piece of action. And um, being a Batman aficionado, I, <laughs> I've even got the toys at home, kept them for my son. Um, I would say that Robert Pattinson would be in my top three of Batman actors. Not number one... That's still held by Christian Bale yeah, for me. Yeah, he's the one who plays it in this one, Patterson. Yeah. Patterson, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And mm. So Christian Bale would hold that for me, probably followed by Michael Keaton. But um, Pattinson would definitely be in the top three. This movie is really, really raw. It's very raw, it's very gritty, and it's dark. It's, it's very almost... dark. It's all nighttime stuff. <laughs> well, well, it's dark in so many ways. Mm, yes, it's yeah. dark in, in the cinematography, so you could almost call it black and white, yes. not quite. Yes. Um, it's dark in the story. It's dark in the unfolding. The characters are dark. So so it's, it's really quite different. And the other thing with this one is that, you know, we're used to Batman's gadgets, you know, and we're used to him in the zippy zappy car and this and that and the next thing. This is him right at the beginning. This is his second year as Batman. Yeah. And mm. so it's very, very early in, in the telling, very early in his development. And that that really comes across because, you know, it doesn't trip you up with all those gadgets. It's uh, it's about him wanting to do good. But the other thing that I really liked about this is that we didn't have to wit- witness the pe- his parents being shot, as you do in just about every other version. What you see in this is what led to them being shot, how that unfolds. And that's actually a huge part of this story too, mm. is the telling of how he became Batman because of what happened in his childhood. But he's never, up to this point, investigated why. Well, that's in this version anyway. And so for me, it kind of completes the picture, if you know what I mean. It completes the story. And and it helps you to, you know, you're kind of excited for what comes (laughs) after this because it's so well done. And I think that um, the way that Matt Reeves, the director, has put this together is incredibly clever. Uh, it's it's really, really cleverly done. And, uh, you know, just how it evolves for me is, um, you know, it's a great, it's, it's going to be um, up there in my great movies. I don't know about you. How did you feel? 
<laughs> well, I just found it. I was absolutely fascinated by it all the way. I mean, uh, for the first, it took me quite a while to get into the feeling of the film. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, this is not my like a typical a Batman or superhero movie. This just goes so much deeper somehow. Mm. And then you've got to wait till all the jigsaw puzzle pieces are put together. Mm. Um, and, and I think the other thing, Hans, is that. You know, Robert but, Pattinson is so brooding in this. Yeah, his look. But, yeah, his yeah, look, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you can't take your eyes off him. Mm. You're constantly, and I mean, you know, you think of him as being good-looking young guy in, in mm. his yeah. earlier movies. And the curious thing is, in the film, I mean, 99% of the time he is Batman. You hardly ever yeah. see him as um, Bruce Wayne. Bruce yeah. Wayne. Yeah. And uh, it's Batman, Batman all the way yeah. in this film. Yeah. So even there, to, to do some good acting with a, with a the Batman outfit over yeah. your head is yeah. quite a good act. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, when, when I, and for all the Batman movies I've seen over the years, I always think, how can't they tell that it's the same voice as Bruce Wayne, you know, but it's the movies. <laughs> let's, let's forgive that, you know. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it is totally his movie, isn't it? And we start to see, oh, my God, Colin Farrell, who plays the Penguin, who isn't at this point in, in Batman's life known as the Penguin, he's known as Oz. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was exceptional. You would not recognise him. I, I think I saw that it took about yeah, four well, it took hours. Yeah, yeah. Four hours to do his makeup, and they finally <laughs> got it down to two hours. But you absolutely would not recognise him. And then just seeing, you know, at the end, you, you see the first glimpse of the Joker, and you see the the character known as Oz, who's in, who is actually becomes the Penguin in jail, and you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Where's this going to go? Well, there's going to be more episodes. Well, there that's has for to sure. be because. Mm. Mm. At, at mm. this point, those characters are mm. not developed. Mm. So I think there's the potential mm. to really build on this particular... I mean, it's still part of the Marvel franchise, but yeah. to build on on this particular movie to take it further. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be quite excited to see that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the other... One character that you see a bit more of is um, the Catwoman. That's played, yeah. Um, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz yeah. plays... Uh, uh, Selena in this, and she's the Catwoman, and she's got all the sort of sexy leather gear on, and on a motorcycle, and all this sort of thing. And she, she's really, you know, great in mm, that part. Mm, it's, uh, she's mm. enjoyable to watch. <laughs> well, and she's not fully developed as a mm. character either. So, you know, for both of us, I think, Hans, this movie, we're looking forward to what will come oh, yeah. from the future. <laughs> yep, and I'm sure there's going to be more of this too. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Mary. That was Mary Gibson with her views on The Batman. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on Plains FM website. Uh, that's plainsfm.org.nz.